I want to take a minute to tell you about Federal Access. Federal Access is our coaching and training platform that we develop for government contractors. The resources in Federal Access have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. When you become a member, you're going to get access to hundreds of documents, templates, training videos, on-demand webinars, and you get SME support from me. So if you have a question, you can email me directly anytime. Here's a special offer for Game Changers listeners. Visit federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers today and get started for just $29. That's federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers to get started for just $29. Now let's get into this episode. The big question is this, if government contracting is supposed to be so easy, why do so many companies fail to win even a single contract while others dominate the market? That's the question and this podcast will give you the answers. In today's episode, you go one-on-one with best-selling author and master business coach Michael Lejeune to learn exactly how to take your government contracting business to the next level. Hey everybody, Michael Lejeune here. I want to record a really quick podcast for you this week. It's on a topic that I think is really simple, so it's probably not going to take me a whole lot of time to explain it. The topic is on rules of engagement. I get a lot of questions from people that kind of start like this. They'll say, can I fill in the blank? It'll be things like, hey, can I talk to a contracting officer? Or when do you recommend we do this? Or I'm butting up against this practice here and I'm I'm looking for a best practice and I don't know if it's okay to do this. At the heart of these questions, it's like government contractors are asking for permission. Like, hey, I feel like I need permission to go and do this thing. So can you give me permission almost? Or what are the parameters? What are the rules, if you will, that I have to follow as a government contractor? And while there are rules, things we know as the FAR, there are rules that you tend to have to follow, I want you to back up for a moment. And I want to think about your personal rules. So I I have three personal rules that I follow, and I'll get into those in a minute here. The way that I follow this is a little bit different than a lot of folks. So if this is your first business, if you're an entrepreneur and this is your first business and you were an employee prior to this business, then a lot of times you have an employee mindset that you have to break in order to be an entrepreneur. In order to be a successful entrepreneur, you're going to have to break those things. When I look at the way employees are designed, if you will, the way they're built in the factory, companies mold employees to follow rules. There's a lot of rules on how you do absolutely everything. And quite honestly, most of the rules are just total garbage. Most of the rules that companies implement derive from one of two reasons. One is they're afraid to make any mistakes. And the second one is it's really like a power hungry thing where they want to micromanage you. Those are the worst possible reasons to not make a decision as an entrepreneur. If you are power hungry and you want to control every move of your people, you're going to have a really difficult time building a company. And if you're worried about making mistakes, you are going to have a really hard time building your company. I make mistakes every single day. And my thing is, we'll just correct it. It's not a big deal. We'll correct it. The employee mindset is typically baked into you. And the longer you're an employee, the longer that is 
baked into you, meaning the harder it is to strip that out and have an entrepreneur mentality where you're not as concerned about making mistakes. You're not as concerned about power or any of that kind of thing. Your focus is more about the success of the company and the success of your team and those sort of things. You know, the success of your clients, all of that wrapped up into one. It's almost indistinguishable which one is first because they all mean a lot to you. You know, yourself, your company, your team, your clients, they all mean a lot to you. If you're in a big corporation, most of the time it's political. You're concerned about your job and different things like that. It does take a lot of effort to break out of that employee mindset and think like a real entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, here are my three main rules of engagement. Number one is I have a code of conduct. And that code of conduct means that everything must be moral, ethical. Uh, We're not breaking any laws. We're not cheating. We're not lying. Any of that kind of stuff. That is at the top of my rules of engagement. We're going to do everything to the best of our ability at the highest standard possible when it comes to moral ethics and everything else I just mentioned, right? And that's just because I don't want any to ever be able to question anybody on the team that they did anything shady or anything like that. We're going to be, you know, just above reproach at all times. And that's just really, really important to me. It's really important to my partner, Josh. And it's one of the reasons we work so well together is because at our core, that's really at one of the top things for us is, hey, we're going to have this code of conduct where everything we do is like that. If you use that to kind of govern the rest of the things you do, it makes decisions decisions in your business that much easier to say, hey, we're going to use that as the number one filter for everything you do. I'll just give you an example. Let's say something goes wrong for a client. And instead of saying, well, what are we going to tell the client? I don't know. What should we tell the client? What's the story we should make up for this? Instead of doing that, you just go to the client as soon as you find out something went wrong and you say, hey, I need to apologize because fill in the blank. Here's what happened. It was a total mistake on our part. We didn't see this guy. Whatever it is. And you don't have to get down in the weeds and get too crazy. You don't have to, you know, self-sacrifice the whole company or anything like that. But you can just approach a client right out of the gate as soon as you figure out what's going on and say, hey, this went wrong. Here's what we're doing to correct it. I apologize, which I think a lot of people don't like saying the words, I apologize. But I use that all the time with people or, hey, I'm sorry about fill in the blank because I do I feel that way and I want to be very transparent about that and I don't think it makes anybody weaker. You'll see all these little videos online about never use the words I'm sorry or I apologize. Use this phrase instead. You know, if you're late for a meeting using this crap line of thank you for your patience. No, you need to apologize because you have abused everyone's time. Even if it was a mistake, even if your car broke down and your cell phone ran out of batteries, that is your fault. You need to apologize for that. I highly recommend using the actual phrases you need to instead of these catchy little buzz phrases that people will say you should replace these weak words with these strong words so you don't look weak to everybody else. It's okay to look weak. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to guess what? Here's the naughty word. Be honest with people. That's at the core of my code of conduct. And again, if you use that as a filter, it makes everything else super, super easy. Number two is ask questions. 
questions. That's it. That's as hard as it is. So number one was my code of conduct. Number two is ask questions. So I'm always asking questions. So when in doubt, ask questions. Somebody asked me, actually two people asked me this week about responding to an RFI. They're like, hey, this RFI, I just noticed it. I could get the response in really quick. It was, you know, so I can get it done within two or three days, but that's going to put it two days over the time limit. Is it okay to respond to this RFI? And I said, absolutely it is. Absolutely. And then somebody else said, hey, I just found one. It's a little over 30 days. Is it okay I respond to this? My answer, absolutely it is because RFIs don't fall under the same rules as RFPs and that sort of thing. I said, but look, here's what you should do. Just reach out to that contracting officer and say, hey, I just found this, which is guess what? The truth. I'd love to respond to it, but I just wanted to check and make sure that was okay with you. How hard is it to make that request? It's not hard at all, but people are afraid to do that. They're afraid to ask questions. So when in doubt about something like that, like a due date or whatever, or let's say you see something in an RFP and you're like, I really don't think this should be in the RFP. I've talked about this in in the past about ghosting and things like that for ghosting RFPs. A lot of times that stuff happens in pre-acquisition, but if you're in acquisition, guess what? There's usually a QA and a period. It's okay to reach out and say, hey, I saw this thing in this RFP and I think it's unduly restrictive. I think it's going to limit the the RFP responses. Can you make a change to that? It's okay to ask questions. Let's say you're in the middle of a contract with a client and all of a sudden something wild happens, like a war happens in a foreign country and gas prices shoot through the roof and all of a sudden that changes the price of what you're doing. It's okay to reach out to them and say, hey, can we talk about an EPA, an economic price adjustment? based on what just happened here. Guess what? Even if there's clear guidance from the government about this stuff, it's okay to reach out and ask the question, can we explore an EPA on this? Or if something else happened, maybe there was some some other problem, maybe uh, you know the manufacturer of a product all of a sudden changed a part number or changed something in a product and you're like, hey, I don't think this is as good as the one and you know they only had 50 left and you guys ordered 100. And so I think for the other 50 to fulfill the order, we may need to go a different route. Communicate that to the contracting officer and ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. The worst thing that you can be told is no. 20 something years in being in business. And I've asked a lot of questions of people. I've asked a lot of difficult questions. And I can only remember two or three times in my career where someone's ever really yelled at me. It's only a couple of times. In both of those times, They said, you know what? I realize it's not your fault and I'm taking this out on you. I apologize, but I'm really ticked off. You know, then they go right back into, you know, screaming at you or whatever. But it's only happened to me a couple of times. And that's in 20 plus years of running a company. So I find it's just, it's okay to ask questions. So when in doubt about anything, a due date, a requirement, a regulation, or if there's something you don't know and you're afraid to ask the contracting officer, reach out to us, reach out to LinkedIn, reach out on Google, reach out and ask some questions and educate yourself 
and figure out what the next course of action is. Don't just look at the rules. Don't just look at a date and say, well, you know, they said this was due by Friday. It's now Saturday, so nothing I can do about that. If it's an RFP, you're right. There's nothing you can do about that. But if it's anything else, you can respond. There's a lot of times where just because there's a due date, just because there's a requirement in something doesn't mean you can't ask a question. And that goes for everything in life, but especially when I'm dealing with my business, I ask questions all the time. Can I do this? Would you consider that? Ask questions and you will be surprised at number one, how it changes the relationship because now you're creating interaction with that buyer. So that's awesome. Or with a teaming partner or whatever, because this happens with your teaming partners as well. Something will go wild and go to the left field and you need their help. You got to pick up the phone. You've got to ask questions. You've got to ask for help. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask for help. Number three is do your best. That's all I can ask from you is just do your best. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Do your best. Not my best, not Lockheed Martin or General Dynamics best, not your competitor's best. Do your best, not whatever your mentor's best is. It's your best. Do the work that you're doing to the best of your ability. And if you do that, that's all anybody can ask of you. Now, if you're not putting in the full effort, that's a real easy one to say, you know what? I'm not giving this 100%. I'm giving it 45%, (laughs) you know, at best, right? That's easy for you to recognize and correct. And if you do that, your team will do that. If your team always sees you doing your best, you will raise the standard on your team. That was one of the, the main comments that people always made about Michael Jordan is when he just walked onto the court, whether it was in practice or in a game, he increased the level of everybody around him because he was pushing himself so hard to always do his best. And he was pushing other people, hey, this is not your best. It's not your best. You need to raise your level. You're only given 75% or you're only given 89%. I know you got 11% left. Do your best. And if you do your best, you leave everything on the field every single time. I guarantee you, you will sleep really, really good at night. I'll recap those real quick. The code of conduct, number two was ask questions. And number three was do your best. So number one, code of conduct. Number two, ask questions. Number three, do your best. Simple, simple rules of engagement that just allow you to focus on doing what's right, asking questions. And asking questions is also kind of a subtle one where I call it advocating for yourself and your company. You're advocating for yourself when you are asking questions of somebody or an organization. And it's okay to advocate for yourself. And then when you're just doing your best, again, that's one of those things where you can walk off the field, leave your office, whatever you want to call it, every single day and say, I gave it my all. And if you do that, I guarantee you, you are going to see success in your business. You follow your set of rules. You advocate for your company by asking questions and you give it your all. And look, those are my simple rules of engagements. Nothing difficult about that. Super, super simple. But that guides my mindset, which is your most important asset in business, your mindset. Let your mindset switch from this employee mindset where it's so driven by rules and regulations into an entrepreneurial mindset where you're more of an explorer. Everything is a possibility. You just have to ask. So, hey, it was great uh, going with you on this episode here today. I love talking about this topic. If you have questions about this, you know how to reach me. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. 
for a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash Game Changers.